Uh, if you're new, uh, new here, I am Dave Overhold, our lead pastor. And let's give it up for all our audit, uh, artists today. Let's give it up. Woo! Yeah, it is so cool. Uh, here we love to, to uh, honor artists and uh, creativity. I believe in the, the, my soul that each of us are not just animals. We actually are created by God, the creator. And he put a stamp on our soul. So even if you think, I'm so not creative, you are. There is something in you that loves to create. And so I hope in between our services you can take some time to talk to our artists. Just sit and, and take it in and be inspired by the excellence that's here. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. I'd love to uh, especially welcome those who are new here. I hope you can sit back and relax. This is where we usually give a message from the Bible. And uh, this message, as we uh, dig into Scripture, usually we want it to be helpful. So you can come here and not only learn what the Bible says, but we want it actually to help your life. And we do this in series, in series about three or four weeks in this, uh, this series. We're in the middle of it called Portraits of Jesus. Mainly, we want to remember who he was and why he was the most inspiring person in the world, in, the world, in history. He has changed history more than anyone else on this planet. So if you're new here, you're listening online, we are here talking, trying to understand who he is. But not only that, we want to love the Bible, his word that he's given us, and dig into and find out the intricacies of that. So we're going to take some time to do that now. Uh, next week, next week we're going to end our series. We're pushing it off one more week. And, uh, and it, I know some, there's, there's some people saying, man, we, we want to hear from the youth pastor, Kyle. Yeah, let's give it up for Kyle. Yeah, he's got a little cheering gallery here. They should, like, cheer. Yay. <laughs> because of all his comments about old people like me, I've uh, kept him off the stage for uh, weeks. But, but we're letting him back on, and next week he's going to be bringing us to a fantastic portrait of Jesus, one of the most famous ones, and he's going to dig into that. So I'm looking forward to that, Kyle. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that God would open up his word to us, uh, help us to get some things from this. So let's, let's talk to him. Heavenly Father, <laughs> I love you. Oh my goodness, you are so wonderful. When I walk around this room and see the creativity, I just see how more wonderful you are as you have done so much of this through us. So, Father, we want to be inspired by you, by your holy word, by the community, by worship. So we invite you to come and whisper and be our instructor now. Help us to take away good things that are helpful but also help us to be inspired when we think of you and how wonderful you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, in this little uh, thing called uh, the Portraits of Jesus, we are looking through a book in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels. It's the last of the four Gospels. It's the book of John. And if all the other four stories of Jesus were sort of this, these stadium views, John is like in a football game. He gets up close in the video camera and talks to individuals. And so we're looking at some of those individual conversations. We figured out that uh, uh, John chapter 1, chapter 1, Jesus is God. 
Chapter 2 is he turned water into wine. Chapter 3 is Nicodemus and being born again. See, you know, some of you people say, I just don't know the Bible. You already know the Bible, don't you? You know the first three chapters of the book of John. And the reason why we're doing this, not only to do this, but if you are interested in learning more about Jesus, we have free Bibles, free Bibles out in the, in the hallway. You can take one and dig into the book of John. You'll find it in the, book, uh, in the, in, in the front, in the, in the content, uh, and you'll find out how to get to the book of John. Well, last we talked about Jesus. He was, he was down, and his disciples were baptizing people near Jerusalem. But now Jesus is on the move in chapter 4. John chapter 4, he's on the move. Right now, he's more popular than John the Baptist, and so he stops being so popular. Why? Why do you think he just, why don't you just keep on rolling it forward, Jesus? And uh, whenever you read the stories of Jesus, you, you find his timing is impeccable. Not yet, not yet. He doesn't want yet to, to be this great following, and so he travels. He travels north. Now, Palestine is about 190 kilometers north to south. It's about from here to Aurelia. Okay, that's about it. That's about how big the whole area of Palestine is. So he goes from the south to the north. And uh, I, I asked, I have a map of this area. In the south is Judea, which is the, the, the city, Jerusalem. It's a populated area. It's the classy part. It's the, it's the refined section of, uh, of, of uh, this area. Then in the north is Galilee. They're sort of the country folk, the fishing communities. And in between these two, you see Judea in the south, sort of that, sort of that brown. Up in the, the, the north, Galilee, uh, that's, you see, where Nazareth, okay, that's where he's born. And in between is this big sort of <laughs> green thing called Samaria. Samaria. Samaria and the rest of Israel is does not just get along in the least of it. Samaria used to be a, a, a territory of the nor- northern ten tribes of Israel. After years of disobedience and worshiping other gods, they were defeated and carried away by the Assyrians. They, they, they couldn't take everybody, so they sort of left the poor and the disenfranchised. And then they put other displaced people in, and they intermarried. So they, they, they did this so they wouldn't have any kind of strong national identity and rise up against their overlords. So, but the southern two tribes in Judea were also defeated many years later by the Babylonians. And they actually were carried away to Babylon, but they kept their national identity and they came back. They came back and built the temple, the walls, except the Samaritans wanted to be reestablished and saying, oh good, let's be a country together again. But the Judeans said, no, you've intermarried, you don't even worship the same God anymore. You can't be. And so they said, you can't help us build this temple. And so they went and built their own temple. They went and built their own temple and said, well, you're no good, and then you're no good. This is like a polarized religious war in the middle of the, <laughs> uh, the Middle East. Does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> Closer to Jesus' days, the Judeans went and attacked the Samaritan temple and tried to, to pull it down. The Samaritans, in, in return, traveled down and threw dead bodies into the Jewish temple, which was not a good thing to do. So you can just imagine, the tension is like palpable. And if it wasn't for the, the Romans, who, who were sort of the overlords of the time, they would be at open war. There's, there's not just tension nationally. There's like a, a, a visceral hatred towards each other. Here's what one Jewish rabbi wrote. 
Let no one eat the bread of the Samaritans. For he who eats their bread is as he who eats swine's flesh. And if you, you get the Jewish idea, that's a bad idea, okay? It's like you shouldn't be hanging around these people. You shouldn't eat with them. Don't stop with them. Don't be around them. And so there's a road that went from Judea to, uh, to Galilee. And it went around Samaria. And that was the major highway. It took twice as long. But everybody went through that road because no one wanted to get involved, to be around the Samaritans. Now, in John chapter 4, we open up the, the Bible and find out really what goes on. A portrait of Jesus. And the first part of the John chapter 4 says, and Jesus had to go through Samaria. You know, he had to. Like, why do you have to, Jesus? Physically, he didn't have to. But there's some kind of inner compulsion no, I'm not going to skirt around people that I don't like. I'm not going to skirt around people that my, my fellow friends hate. I'm not going to skirt around that everybody else thinks is evil. I'm not going to skirt around those people. I'm going to go straight through. And so he chooses to go through in the middle of Samaria. Uh, Jesus says he only follows his father's leading, so... I wonder if it was just a tap to go through. This is, uh, the story picks up at noon in the hottest part of the day in a desert land, and he comes to a crossroads. The crossroads is still there, and it's really wild. You know the well is still there? Jacob's well is still there, and there's still water in it. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? It, they, they say that there's some wells are shallow near, near springs of water, and some wells, there is no spring. This is the desert, so they had to go deep, deep down to sort of like, uh, like groundwater. And so Jacob's water is deep, and it had to go down to groundwater, and it's still there, and it's at a crossroads. You get the idea. They've been traveling through Samaria, a three-day journey, and Jesus was tired, fully God, fully person, fully human. And then he sits down by the well, and we're going to pick up the Bible here in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. Soon... A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please, give me a drink. <laughs> There's so much in here. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So many things unusual, so many beautiful things about this. So many beautiful things. What people would do, and it was usually the women's job to take a, a large sort of uh, vase and fill it up with water as, as much as they could, but they also had this animal skin sort of a foldable bucket that would be on a rope, and so they would, they would hold the rope over the shoulder and carry this vase that they're going to fill up with water. They'd throw the animal bucket all the way down. You can imagine how much rope she's carrying. So she's hefting this stuff in the middle of noon in a hot, hot, hot place, and she is probably tired and sweating. They, they say that this well is a full kilometer from the, the town that she's from, a full kilometer. You know what? There's a well in town, too. Isn't that weird? And, and what usually happens is the women gather when, you know, in, the, in, in the early morning when it's, it's sort of fresh and cool, and they hang out by their own well. For some reason, this woman traveled a kilometer with the heavy rope 
the vase to be able to get out of town at noontime, perhaps, just to get away from some of the people she was away, uh, needed to be away from. It's interesting, isn't it? Was she just that much of a social outcast? Was she having a particularly bad day? Can you imagine if you were having a real full-on argument with somebody that you just don't want to be around, and everybody's going to be all so happy by the well? <laughs> well, I'm not coming to the well today. <laughs> I'm going to take my own time and go to the other well. It's better water anyway. <laughs> so she hoofs it down to the crossroads a kilometer away. There was a reason. There was a need. Do you ever come across people who are in moments of need in their life? It might be a fight they're having with family. It might be that they're a social outcast of a group of people who are a social outcast. But there is a reason. There's a reason they're down. There's a reason why they look for hope, and there's a, there's a need. And so what does Jesus do? Does he get up and walk away and let her draw her water? No. You know what he does? Okay, Church on the Rock, we should all say this together. Jesus was 10% more friendly. All right? Does that sound familiar? All right? So if you're a Church on the Rock, and if you're new here, you don't have to say this, okay? But if you're Church on the Rock, and let's say this together, okay? Jesus was 10% more friendly. <laughs> Just putting that out there. <laughs> and so he goes and talks with her. Talks with her. This is, would have been outrageous for a man to talk to a woman, especially a rabbi to talk to a strange woman. A, a rabbi to talk to a strange woman would end your reputation, especially if you're alone with the woman. You just don't do this. You get up and move away. In fact, the Pharisees, we're, we're, so, we're so sort of attuned to this. If they saw a woman on the road, they would avert their eyes and look down. Some of them would close their eyes. There are written, there are written things in, in history where the Pharisees would, would come bruised and cut because they're walking into buildings because they don't, didn't want to look at a woman. Wow, that's like serious, right? Serious. Not quite our culture today, all right? Not quite our culture today. And so... He doesn't get up. He doesn't avert his eyes. He stays and talks with her. She was so shocked about it, she comments on it, uh, John 4, 9. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused, uh, when woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Like, What's going on here? I, I'm trying to imagine what it was. I remember one writer saying this. He said, just imagine being back in the 1950s. Okay, 1950s. You're in the American South in Alabama. Okay, Alabama, 1950s, all right? <laughs> imagine some white guy coming up to an African-American who's drinking a glass of water. Hey, can I have a sip? It's like, wow, you know, they had segregation. You know, it's like, you don't even talk. There's riots, all that stuff. But yeah, no, I'm going to go and sit down. Hey, can, can I have a sip? Can we sit down and talk? It was like, it was shocking to her. Like, why are you doing this? Who are you to be able to do this? So, we find out that it really wasn't about the water, although he is thirsty. I don't think he ever got a drink, by the way. 
Like, I, I'm looking at the conversation. She's not throwing the bucket down in the middle of the conversation. I think he still ends up thirsty. That's because it's not about the water. Do you know that we do some things here at Church in the Rock? And it's not really about whatever we do, you know? Okay? We have a games night. Oh, yeah! Do you know it's not really because of the games? <laughs> it's about people. Because people matter. People matter. And so Jesus sees that she's now talking to him. And so he takes a deep dive. Here we go in John chapter 4, verse 10. And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I think this is so beautiful. He sees that she's in a point of need. He is probably walking through Samaria saying, okay, Father, you sent me here. What do you want me to do? He sits down. He sees this woman in the middle of the day. He says, okay, we're on. I think this is from you, God. Thank you, Father. I'm going to go. We're on now. And so, hey, can I have a drink? Oh, let me tell you about living water. And isn't it beautiful how he describes the Christian life as living water? bubbling water, refreshing water. This is what the Christian life is supposed to be. It is living, exciting, refreshing, life-giving water. We are not some dry, dusty religion, some dead ritual. It is a continual refreshment. Continual refreshment. And so, in John 4, 11, he says, uh, she says, but, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You see, he came bucketless, okay? You see the conundrum here. Jesus isn't carrying around, you know, the animal skin bucket. We, we, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. We, we know that because it's still there. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Internal answer, yeah. <laughs> I created Jacob, but, but, you know, he doesn't quite go there yet. <laughs> and how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? You can almost see that uh, a little bit of edge, right? She's got a bit of an edge to her, right? I'm not sure if you've been around people, a bit of an edge to them. Now, who are you anyway? Isn't that awesome? Do you, have, do you ever get that? Yeah, you want to come to church? You Christians always think you're better than everyone else. Like, who are you anyway? It does not fade Jesus, man. He does not phase him at all. It do, it's so good. It's so good. Well, <laughs> well, Jesus replied, John 4, 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh here it is. This is our life. This is what we have, folks. Becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This is almost the same conversation as Nicodemus. Like Jesus comes up to and and he says, "Oh, you got to be born again." And Nicodemus, oh, I don't understand. He takes it literally and tries to go. Oh, do you mean I, how, that's just gross? <laughs> how do I become born again? He says, "No, this is a, a metaphor." Okay, come on, folks, it's a metaphor. Well, I, I want real water. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. No, this is a metaphor about water and how it's going to to change you. But this loving water does refresh our souls. But it always 
There's always a partnership, isn't there, between us and God? We need to take a step, and he comes in and takes a step too. And, and whenever you slow down and listen, slow down and take time, isn't he there? Isn't he there? Come on, Christians, isn't he there? It's like, oh, God, where are you, where are you, where are you? And then, okay, I'm going to actually take some serious time and get away with you. Wow, you're there. I, I, uh, I uh, sort of spied at our men's group uh, on, uh, on Saturday. We have a men's group on Saturday morning, every second one. And uh, it's always fun. They, they watch a video, then they do some things. Uh, this time they went off to the prayer path and just like spent some time listening to God. Isn't that awesome? No, we got men who do that. That's like, that's real men activity. Go to the prayer path and listen to God. I love it. You know what? When you take some time to get away, there is that living water that continues to feed our soul. All right. So if you were Jesus, where would you go now for this conversation? I just told you about living water, eternal life. Boom. Hey, do you want in? Do you want to pray, pray the prayer? You know, you know, do you want to do that? Come on. <laughs> You know what Jesus does next? And this is the thing that bothers people. And if you're not religious, if you're, not, if you're on your way to God, this is the part that really does bother you about Jesus. I, I get it. But there's a reason. I'm going to try and explain it to you, okay? If you're on your way to God, I'm going to try and explain why this is a good thing. But Jesus just jumps in to her mess, and he brings it up. Here it is, John 4, 16. Go get your husband. And he knows. He knows, right? He knows. We figure out he knows. And in some, we'll, we'll know this is the Holy Spirit gift of, of uh, words of knowledge. The Spirit told him what was going on here. Go get your husband, Jesus said. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Notice the edge is gone. <laughs> You're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Certainly you spoke the truth. Do you like how he ends that one? Like, you've been married five times, and you're living with a guy. You think somebody religious would go, evil! Right? Right, right about then, right? But he goes, no, you spoke the truth. You spoke the truth. <laughs> this is an aside. This is totally an aside. Like, some people really get upset. That, that Christians would be interested in moral, you know, how we live our lives morally. Well, we can't help it. Jesus, the creator, kind of gets in there too. And he asks us to do right things. And, and it's, it's something that, that we're not trying to be better than anyone else. It's, we're just trying to follow Jesus. And so, Yeah. I've been married five times, and the man I'm living with, I'm not married to. I'm not sure how many people I've talked to saying, oh, yeah, we're just living together, but in God's eyes, we're married. <laughs> Apparently not. Anyway, I, I won't camp on that one. I'm going to bree breeze by that, by that one. <laughs> and then she tells him, uh, you're a prophet. <laughs> Gulp. And then she tries to sidetrack the whole conversation. We're not going to get in the sidetrack. We don't have enough time. And she basically says, well, you worship here. You, I worship here. And, and basically trying to talk about, you know, let's talk about something else other than the, the mess in my life, right? Let's talk about something else. <laughs> and uh, it's beautiful. Jesus won't be sidetracked. He gives the answer. Yeah, yeah, we should be worshiping at Jerusalem. But he says it really doesn't matter 
because in the end of the day, probably internal voice, that, that, that temple's going to be gone soon anyway. This is really what worship is about in John 4, 23. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. It doesn't matter. You know you can worship in a gym? Not wild? Really? Yes. And we made up our own stained glass here. It's awesome. Kind of portable. Now it is happening that we will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then here's the kicker one. I, I hope it presses on your soul like it does mine. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. Isn't that wild? I, I know, I know we, we you know, hear messages and podcasts and, and YouTube videos, and I, get, I love learning new things. I get new knowledge stuff. I love that. Oh, I love that. And then I come to a worship service where I worship. And if I pay attention and I worship in spirit and in true ways, it's just beautiful. It's like coming home, isn't it? It's just like coming home. And you know, God is actually looking for that. What does God need? He doesn't need anything, but he's looking. Where are my people? Are they worshiping me in spirit and truth? You know what matters to God? Now, wow, that worship matters. But God is looking for worshipers. Well, uh, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on from that. In uh, John chapter 4, verse 25 to 26, and the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. Again, I think she's trying to sidetrack the whole conversation because it's getting a little uncomfortable again. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. <laughs> is that an open door for Jesus or, or what, right? <laughs> We're supposed to go through every open door. You know, these doors are wide open. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. <laughs> Boom, right? Boom, the truth falls. By the way, there's so many silly things uh, people say about Jesus. When did he really know who he was? We're in John chapter 4. He knew. <laughs> he knew he was the Messiah. You know, uh, it's, it's wild what, what people say that never actually read the Bible. He knew from the beginning. He knew what he was here on earth to do. And now we don't know right now, but she takes off. She is so excited. She has met the Messiah, maybe. She's not even full-on believing it, but there's a maybe in there, but it might be. And just the whole idea that Jesus told her some things about herself, she is like, she's pumped. And so it just says in John 4, 27, then, then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. There it is. What? You're doing that? You're allowed? But none of them has the nerve to ask him, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Like, does she count? She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. He's just like Jesus is like breaking all these rules. The woman left her water jar beside the well. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? She doesn't care. It's like she has something more exciting 
than the thing that she was doing with her life. She has something far more exciting than anything that she could do with a normal day because she had met Jesus. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did, which is very exciting for, for, for her background, right? What, really? Wow. Okay, we got to find this out. And so she is now going around. By the way, how do we know what she was saying? I'm going to tell you how we know in a little bit. But we know, we know she was saying those things. Uh, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And, and Jesus, he didn't get his drink of water. He isn't eating anything. He's just looking over that field. It's a kilometer away, and she's running. And the disciples going, you were talking to her? That's kind of weird. Like, are you going to say anything, Peter? No, man. I blew it a few times already. I'm not going to say anything. You tell him. No, I don't know. Hey, uh, you want something to eat? And, and Jesus is still watching these conversations and these people starting to stream over the field. And I can imagine they're all like wearing sort of like white toga-ish kind of things over this, this field as they're starting to stream, and he's just smiling, and he's just anticipating all the conversations they're going to have. And so in John 4, 33, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Eat something. And Jesus replied, oh, man, that's not in the, the passage, but I would put it in there. I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they could only imagine, did somebody bring him food while we're gone? The whole metaphor thing, and nobody's getting, all right? It's just, yeah, it's not getting. And the disciples asked each other. And Jesus had to explain further. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Why? Because God told him to go there, and God helped him to say the things. And, and there's open doors that he went through. And this is exciting stuff. And finishing his, his work. Uh, you know the saying, for four months between planting and harvest. But I say, isn't this such a great thing? Okay, Christians, read this. You don't have to read it out loud, but, but don't breeze through this. Wake up. Wake up and look around. That's such a great phrase. Come on. Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And there they are. They're all coming over the fields. And Jesus is so pumped. He's not thirsty. He's not hungry. Why? Because people matter. People matter. I, I got uh, a live illustration of this that I experienced, I remember, once in my life. Uh, a lot of years ago, when I was a youth pastor, before this, uh, this uh, church began, um, we did a missions trip to Poland. And uh, we had a, you know, a MACDIV uh, student come from Poland, and he said, you should come to our country, and we did. <laughs> and we, we helped him build a, a camp. We're cutting down trees and, and making places for cabins. We built a, a, uh, a chapel. But also we did, went out and did different ministry things. And one of the things he said, we're going to go to a little town called Viswa. It's on the, on the Czech border up in the mountains. And so we went up in the mountains. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But it was like a full, like a, a full several, several hour drive in a, in a bus. And when we got there, I had a bus full of teenagers who were so hungry. So hungry. And so they streamed off the bus and they said, can we get something to eat? Yeah, go for it in twos and twos. And they just went all over the place. And, and then I 
saw them running from restaurant to restaurant, and I, something's wrong. And so I went up and, and talked to one restaurant, and we found out here, that we found out this, the people were afraid of us. <laughs> they're just afraid of us, and they're thinking it was going to be too much work to be able to feed us. And so they, they, were, they were still sort of in the... In the they just came out of communists not too long ago, communism, and, and it, was just, it was just weird for them to, to have so much uh, to, to do. And so what, what happened, they would have five or six students come and say, hey, can we have this, this, this? They said, no, we're closed. And they just shut the doors. And, you know, we don't want, you know, we don't want to do it. And so I remember doing that. I went up to this one restaurant, and nobody was around. I said, good, I'm going to have, like, your chicken, a chicken thing. Okay, chicken, great. Five guys come in. There's no place that will feed us here. We want everything. And they said, no, we're closed. We're closed. <laughs> no, you bum. I need food. And we're all getting around. We didn't have any food. And we're sitting there in the city streets going, what is going on? And then we said, well, we might as well put on our, our presentation. So we did. We had our little boom box. It was that old. And we had dramas. You know, I won't tell you what the dramas were. They're just very old school. And uh, we didn't know this, but it was a holiday. And the holiday, people started to come and, and fill up the square. And uh, we had an interpreter, and, and our, some of our students were telling their, their God stories. And the interpreter was, was saying it. And people thought this was sort of like a part of the, the deal. And they started to come, and more, and more, and more. And there's a little Pentecostal church that came, and, and we didn't have anything to do with them, but, but we talked through a translator, and they were so excited. They were, like, praying all over us, and they are handing out tracts everywhere. Like, and then we, there were 300 people listening to our God stories. 300 people. I had to get up. I counted. Anyway, and I, I could see none of our kids were going, I'm so hungry. I don't have anything to eat right now. That's what they were doing before. But now they were so excited that people were hungry about God, that wanted to hear about God. They were praying for people, and no one was hungry anymore because they had food to eat that no one knows about until you get it. Thank you. I needed that. Wake up. And look around. Isn't that a great Bible verse? Easy to memorize. <laughs> uh, our staff was just at a conference. And uh, <clears throat> the conference said uh, that 85% of people in North America would come to church if a friend asked them. You have to be a friend. <laughs> Here's another interesting statistic. Only 2% of Christians ever ask. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> awesomely horrible. If you're on the way to God, if you're visiting, trying to figure out Christians, can I tell you, we're not trying to get more people to fill up seats. We're not trying to get you to become a part of our club. We've just experienced living water. Jesus walks lonely roads with me when it doesn't feel like anyone else is there close enough to help at that moment. When I call out to him in my darkest hours, he reaches out and helps. He whispers to me his love again and again. I know living water. 
And if somebody has invited you here, we just want you to know it too. That's all. That's all. If you're on online, and if God has brought you here online for this moment, it's because he loves you. And he wants you to experience living water. People matter. People matter to God, and I pray that people would matter to all of us. All of us. And yet there's something wrong, isn't there? Something that's hard. We don't want to lose friends. We, we don't want to be in arguments or Facebooks back and forth. We don't want any of that. We don't want this conflict. And so we keep the good news to ourselves. I, I heard the perfect illustration of what it means for us to actually talk about our faith to anyone. There's this guy, he says, late at night he was driving and he saw this thing going back and forth on the road. Bing! And, then, and it was bouncing off a curb and then it came and bounced off the other curb. And it was something alive. So he gets out, has the... the the high beam's on. You know what it was? It was a skunk with its head caught in a cocoa jar. And he thought, that skunk's going to die on the road. Well, too bad for it. <laughs> right? If I go and try and help the thing, it might not go well for me. Right? And I think that is some of the reasons why don't talk about religion it's not religion we have living water and so can i say to those of us who are who are believers be ready for god taps cuz he might actually take you through a samaria he might take you through a samaria be ready to be 10% more friendly <laughs> i'm i'm already how, you know, giving advice to my neighbors, new neighbors, about where to put bushes, right? I am, I am. You know why? I don't care about bushes. <laughs> I care about them. So I, I'm, I'm working up the nerve to invite them to our, uh, our Christmas Eve service. <laughs> Christmas Eve is a good time, right? And so I'm, I'm looking at the bushes and admiring the white rocks. It's actually really nice. You should drive by and see it. I think it was partly my advice. Anyway. I'm just trying to be 10% more friendly. That's it. So, as we ask our worship team to come on up, I'm just going to pray a prayer that I would love us to, those of you who are believers, that, Father, would you break my heart for what breaks yours? And if you're on the way to God, if you're not religious, thank you. Thank you for the risk of trying Hanging out with Christians. <laughs> it's awesome. Let me tell you a little bit about how the rest of the service goes. We have a worship time now, four songs. Seems like a lot, but we really like worship. Read the words as they come up on the screen and see what they say. If you get the tune after a while, hum along with us and, and just even listen to us as we sing. We have a prayer corner back there. That's for anybody, if you're religious or not. If, you would have, if you're carrying in a burden... You can be prayed for. We will stop what we do, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, no matter what religion you are, we will pray for you because we believe God hears every prayer. Those of us who are believers, we go to a back and take communion, and that's a time when we, we 
stop and remember what Jesus has done for us, how he died and rose again. We celebrate that with him. So let's worship him now. Let's enjoy our time. You know why? Because God is looking for worshipers. Heavenly Father, look down on us now. May we worship you well. I want to thank you to all, Lord, Lord for bringing all out those, those who are new to here. And I pray you'll help them to even get a sense of worshiping you in this moment. God, hear our prayers. Hear our celebrations. Lord, all for you. This is for you. In Jesus' name, amen.